0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is Play Games Lose Friends. I'm Ryan here with Ken to talk board games as we always do. It is Monday, September 12th, 2022. We're a little late on recording. I think uh, my good friend Ken here has a scratchy throat, as you referred to it. Yeah, a little, a little tickle. Hope it's not the covert. Don't want that I to hope help. Me. Not either. Yeah, that would not be good. Uh, we've got a very Highly anticipated episode for the both of us tonight. We got to talk with Mister Phil Walker Harding. He the of Sushi Go, the, the man, the myth, the legend. Sushi Go, and and I don't even want to go through all the games because we're going to talk about them later. We're going to talk about our top five. Uh, he's only did a couple Walker Harding I mean, games. He's yeah, only <laughs> done a couple of games. Don't I mean? <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he's been a busy guy over the years, and he has designed a lot of our favorites. uh And so we're very excited to talk about those. And we got a chance to talk with Mister Phil Walker Harding, and we will cut to that episode a bit later in this, uh, or cut to the interview a bit later in this episode. So looking forward to sharing that with everybody. Phil ah, is a lovely. So guy much, so much. Yes, I think we could have talked to him for two hours. I don't think he oh. would have liked to talk to us for two hours, but <laughs> yeah. we could have picked his brain for two hours easily. Um yeah, just on yeah, you know, if you just going game by game, you know. Yeah. I mean there's there's a great list and we will we will talk about it. And and top five doesn't feel like enough, but we, we had to cut it off somewhere, so sorry, Phil. Yeah. All right. Uh you got any plugs for uh fellow podcast aficionados, uh namely related to Kings of War? Oh yes, I think there is a Kings of War podcast.
1: I believe it's called Drunken Disordered. Uh, it is about the national uh, tournament scene, and centered around. I believe it's the Mid Atlantic region is the the sort of bracket they're in. Um, but yeah, they uh, there's an event coming up uh, in November. What is that? Lansford, Lan- Lancaster. In Lancaster? One of the lands. Lansford's, Landales. Yes. I think is it it's Ithaca, Lancaster, right? Ithaca, Pennsylvania? <laughs> yes, Ithaca, Pennsylvania. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, uh, Cape May, Pennsylvania. No, but I think it's <laughs> Lancaster. Uh, you can, uh, get all that information on the Drunken Disordered Facebook page. Uh, again, if you play Kings of War, which is a tabletop war game, or you're an old school, uh, Warhammer player who's discouraged and hates what they did to the game, uh, I would imagine you should try Kings of War. Um, if, if you still want to do tabletop, uh, I've converted Ryan over to board games, which is different than tabletop. Um, but, uh, uh, we still have, um, yeah, I know what's worse. Um, so uh, the, (laughs) um, but yes, their podcast is amazing. It's, it's a lot of fun. They're a bunch
0: of great guys, uh, drunk and disordered. Check it out. Agreed. They even gave me a sticker and it's on my keyser. Thanks, Robbie. All right. We had a contest for Reincarnated, a game we reviewed a couple episodes ago designed by Taylor Doolittle of Doolittle Gaming, and the contest is finally over. We have a winner. We're gonna give a free copy of Reincarnated and wanna say thanks to everybody who entered. Ken, would you like to announce the winner, please? Yeah it
1: is
0: (laughs) Justin D
1: from Idaho congratulations congrats Uh, we will um, get you guys in touch with uh, Taylor or we'll get the game and ship it out we'll work out the logistics and you'll be in good shape hopefully uh, you'll love this game as much as we do Uh, and and obviously as much as uh,
0: Taylor loves it as well does he still love it at this point Oh, we I, we have to talk to him again. I want to hear how that tournament went. <laughs> I do, too. You know? I'm interested. Like, <laughs> we will definitely get him back on here again. But congratulations to the winner. Uh, we'll be in touch. Yes, Justin. Uh, we have your email address, so we will reach out and coordinate everything. Thank you all for participating, and uh, hopefully we'll have another giveaway soon. We'll see. We'll see. You never lyrics. know. We'll see. Perhaps. Right. Now that that fun excitement is over, let's get to the – Downers that we take every night to deal with life. What are you drinking? Mm.
1: I well, it's it's interesting. I I I know we talked about this a little bit before jumping on. We are almost coming up on our almost a year anniversary here, and I believe we started in November, so it's coming around the corner. That's right. And I believe one of the beers you know again I enjoy at this time of year, whether it's late September, October, or maybe even into November. Is Samuel Adams uh, Jacko Pumpkin Ale It is a 4.4 uh, And if you're not aware And maybe I told this story on the last podcast When I drank this on the last podcast Almost a year ago um, It is uh, From an old I guess a company I guess an older company called Travelers Which was uh, was just called Jacko uh, And they Sam Adams was putting it out and then as I think as a private label, but then they killed the brand and this is the only I believe travelers product that Sam Adams still puts out. So it's Samuel Adams Jacko pumpkin ale. It is uh, pumpkin pie in a bottle. You will love it if you like anything pumpkin or pumpkin pie. It's a very light, nice chip sipping relaxing pumpkin. What do you got,
0: Ryan? I can uh I can take or leave pumpkin beers. I know like pumpkin was always yeah. my favorite from Southern Tier, and then some years it's too much flavoring. Like it just it tastes less marsin and more pumpkin and, and pumpkin pie and I'm like, I don't know. Dogfish is my favorite, and then we had a neutral one, which we'll talk about in another episode. That was fantastic as we get closer to Halloween I'll be drinking <laughs> plenty of those. Uh, I nice. got a new sixth on tap of Jack's Abbey House Lager. Uh, I had Jack's Abbey post-shift, which was a dry hop Pilsner on tap earlier this year. Figured out, I'll go back to the well. Jack's Abbey's pretty good stuff. And I had a $50 deposit uh, on my last keg because it was Pizza Boy. For whatever reason, Pizza Boy gives you a better – or a, a larger deposit on the keg and you get the 50 bucks back. So I got this keg for like $50, which is a hell of a deal. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. a pretty good pretty good lager. It's, you know, is it better than the Pilsner? good stuff uh uh no i think that dry hot pilsner was good that is a pretty unique taste uh this is more general just kind of a r- regular lager it's solid it's a solid lager but nothing fancy no uh accoutrement to the beer it's just uh you know it's drinking beer is the way i like to call it so I is it more that, is um, it more yingling or more miller light uh or it lean in somewhere, in the, it lean? Lean. Yeah, somewhere okay. in the middle yeah somewhere in the middle it's not uh, Miller Lite water beer, and it's not dark like Yingling. It's somewhere in between. But it's delicious, and it's uh, lower ABV. So everything else I have on tap is over 7%. So some days I just need to, you know, not do that. But good drinking beer. So that's uh, Jack's Abbey uh, House Lager. Very affordable, very very tasty. All right. Uh, games played. So we have not played a whole lot. Since last time, uh, life getting in the way. I, I'm going to go first this time, if you don't mind, because my list isn't okay. terribly long. There's two uh, two that we'll talk about that we played together, and then I've got two I played separate from you, and I think you as well. So one of my uh, recently played ones was Mysterium. This is uh, oh God, this probably came out in like 2014, 2015. It's pretty old at this point. It's a cooperative uh, sort of deduction game. Where one player is a ghost and they can't speak and they're giving clues to these other players who are uh, psychics and they basically have to guess who murdered the person that is the ghost. Um And it's a very popular cooperative game in this house for whatever reason. I don't know why. My son loves being the ghost and giving out clues. He has this knocking system down where he knocks once for yes and twice for no. <laughs> um and we played it twice in the last week, which is more than we've played any game together in quite some time. So it's a hit right now. For some reason, it came back in into uh, popularity in here, and, and we've been having fun with it. And we've been playing on easy. I want to kind of crank up the difficulty next time because we've been getting through the uh, the clues and stuff pretty quickly and solving the mystery every time we played. So Mysterium... Uh, it's fun. It's just a fun game and you can play it up to seven players. I would love to try it. Seven players It's probably so much harder to guess when you have all those people throwing their opinions in, but yeah, that's uh that's a fun co-op Mysterium. Um, the other one I got to play was cockroach poker. I've talked about it before. Just a very fun, simple card game. Always a hit here. So I won't dive into that, but if you ever have 10 to 15 bucks to spare and you're a gamer, go order that. If you don't order, uh, own it already, it's, FIFA, it's so good. It's such a good game. In all yeah, player after, accounts, all scenarios.
1: After playing that with my niece uh, over the summer, I think I talked about it, she went out and ordered a copy. And she's not a gamer. You know, She doesn't play. You know, yeah. so she'll play if there's games being played, but she went out of her way to make that purchase. Um, so it, it's that kind of game where it, you don't have to be a game enthusiast to really enjoy it. Or if you are a game enthusiast – it's it's a game to 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 play that you don't feel like you know you're you're sort of
0: playing down, so it's fun. Yep, it's fantastic. Uh, how about you go over the ones that you played without me, and then we'll talk about the two we played together. Okay, so
1: my first one was is a solo game. Uh, I think I had mentioned it uh, as a, a recent Kickstarter that I backed um, from Small Box Games. Uh, and again, I've talked about small box games and John Claudius a lot. This was his latest campaign, which was just a print and play. And it was called Copperdale. And uh, it uses a standard deck of playing cards, almost like solitaire. And you have this board in front of you. And when you, you it, it, it spans over 12 rounds or 12 months. And every month you flip over a single card. And depending on the next three so then and then you draw three cards and you try to put them in a column and then depending what you pull and what you put where you have different unique sort of mechanisms that trigger so there's a spot where you're trying to do a low number than a high number and then the next second number it has to be higher than the first number and then that triggers something else you know almost like an uh an, an extra ability throughout Um, then the other ones you're trying to make a pair. So, you know, two sevens or two Kings. And then the other one is like a population track where, uh, if, if the card you place in this column matches either the number or the suit, uh, you get to then do another checkbox later, you know, more farther down the column. And, uh, so I played it once. Uh, I did not do good at all, but, uh, um, so I it, my uh, my score was uh, try again later. <laughs> so Ooh, um, harsh. So I I uh, and again it's uh, it's not an easy game. Again solitaire isn't necessarily easy. You don't win a lot when you play solitaire with a deck of cards. So this sort of takes that sort of solitaire mechanic. You know you're flipping three cards, but you're getting you, but you place them one at a time. And, you know it's strategic on what you put where, and then what are the actions that allow you to do sort of more. You know, sort of things in another track. So it's, it's very strategic for, again, <laughs> again, it was three pieces of paper, right? A board and, and a rules document. Um, so that was, uh, Copperdale, which again was the latest from, uh, small box games. And again, I like it. It's not, a, I'm not mad. I'm not, uh, upset at the, you know, what I paid, which was next to nothing for a print and play. Um, so, uh, yeah, Copperdale is fantastic. I, I enjoyed it. Again, you know, if you ever played Solitaire with just a deck of cards, this sort of kicks it up a notch, in my opinion. So the next game I played, again, another <laughs> – I feel like all the games I play are Kickstarter lately, but uh Flamecraft has arrived. And Ryan, I know we talk about the artisanal board game, and <laughs> we've talked about it on several episodes, but my god, the deluxe version of Flamecraft is uh, – it's amazing. So it looked amazing. It's it's a it's a long beautiful play mat. You know metal coins. You've got these mini dragons instead of the you know the little meeple's. But again, there's meeple's in the box if you don't want to bust out the miniatures. And again, you don't need this you know this exuberance. Um, but this is a very interesting. Almost, I, I almost. I mean, it's like a worker. Placement, set collection, you gather resources to spend resources to do this, then to do that. You know, you're trying to score the most victory points or reputation points by the end. And there's a lot of uh, interesting decisions and a lot of interesting ways of how this plays. Um, so I only got one playthrough. Uh, I was finding, and there's two different types of dragons that you get. And, uh, there's artisan dragons, which are sort of like the common uh, basic dragons, but then there's ways and there's spots to get these fancy dragons. And then I ended up pulling one of the cards that said for the, you know, extra points at the end for the amount of fancy dragons you have. So I was on this quest to just, just collect all the fancy dragons. That was like just a strategy I tried and it was going to be uh, <laughs> a pretty monumental number when I was, uh, when it was said <laughs> and done. Um, but, uh, my son did get a little upset at the way the game was going, so we had to uh, cut it off early. Um, but it definitely seems like um, it might hit the table again, just based on you know the, the presentation and the simplicity of the rules uh, and ha- and how you play. Uh, again, just very
0: beautiful. That's Flamecraft. So, would you would you say complexity, like on a scale one to ten, what was it at? <sighs> I, I think meadow
1: is more complex actually in a way. Really? Um Yeah. It's, it's simple.
0: Um Is there enough strategic depth to keep you interested?
1: Yeah. Cause I think you have the elements of, of like what, uh like, so there's these scoring mechanisms. Like they're called, they're called enchantments and you enchant these little shops. So um, if you go to a shop, you can do a set amount of actions uh, but like from a gathering perspective or you can enchant. So if you enchant, you're spending resources, then you can trigger all the dragons that are there. So you're trying to set yourself up for future turns where you're trying to fill certain shops with certain dragons so that you can spend the resources to trigger the, to get the reputation points to then get the abilities to almost replenish your supply so that you can keep that engine moving uh, and, and, and sort of rinse and repeat. Um, it um but but again it's simple mechanically it's it's move a pawn play a card maybe do actions it's up to you if you want to or don't or move to a location you know cast an enchantment on the spell trigger the dragons or trigger the shop you know or in addition so it, it again it's it it's simple mechanics um with a beautiful presentation cool but yeah, yes, I, I mean, think there's enough strategic depth. It's, uh, I think it's an entry game, you know, type. Okay. Uh, you know, Meadow, I think has more choices around the strategics of not only like where you're going to place in the campfire, how you're going to put out your tableau, how are you going to, um, you know, draft cards from the Meadow. Um, this is, you know, more of like you have three cards. What are you going to do with them? You know, try to gather resources again. It's a little bit more simplistic, but but it doesn't make it not fun. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, visually, I was very much intrigued by the game. Strategically, the gameplay didn't seem like it offered a ton, but it sounds fun. Like it sounds, if it's meadow adjacent, maybe a little simpler. I don't think it's something I would turn away. So I definitely want to get a chance to play this. Well.
1: If you think about it, like us as sort of hardcore game competitive monsters that we are, yes. um, we will take this simple, nice, easy to play game and and make it, uh, you know, a cutthroat <laughs> nasty thing, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that like as a negative thing, right? But when we play with families or we play with loved ones, you know, we were just going to, you know, take our time, go through the motions, you know, and play the game. But I think, you know, on a, in a competitive setting with our group, it's, you know,
0: gloves are off, you know, prison rules. <laughs> yeah. Street oh, flame craft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good. I'm fine with that. We play every game that way. That's why this podcast is titled what it is. Uh yeah. we got together for a game night not all that long ago and we got to play uh another game that I picked up not all that long ago as well and that is Libertalia Winds of Galecrest and I know you've o- you own the original uh but had to yes. get to play the new one and we played one one game of it I think and uh, I wanted to get your thoughts how different is it from the original and what did you think of the new version I,
1: I <sighs> I liked Libertalia going into it. So I was really excited to see what sort of Stonemeyer can bring to that game. I mean, he loves yeah. Libertalia, which is why he sort of picked it up. Um, I, I know why strategically they may have done some of the decisions and the choices they've, they did with this game. Um, I can't really say that one is better than the other. Um, I think there's aspects of both that are, that are very, but I will say, I don't think you need to own both. They are too close. Um, whereas if you own the new, if you own the original Libertalia, you do not need to buy the new one. And if you don't own the old Libertalia, don't trek down a $100, $200 out of print copy. Go get the Stonewaller one. You're not going to be disappointed, right? just from a component's perspective alone. Um, because uh, the original is like cardboard and cards, right? This one is nice little chunky uh, treasure tiles, uh, new art, which again, I know there's people that hate it and like it. I, I again, being, uh, you know, <laughs> Mr. Anthropomorphic, I loved it. I thought it was cool. <laughs> um, I, I liked the animal pirate theme. Um, the chunky tiles were cool. And again, the the variability that, 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 that Stelmeier put in Libertalia this next go around, uh, definitely has more than the original. I think from a yeah. playability yeah, standpoint, for sure. um, between the, the, what the, what the little treasure tokens do versus the amount of pirates, I think
0: it's definitely more pirates than and the, the double original. double sided board, all the defaults that yeah, there, I mean, plus you can override them with the cards or the token or, yeah, cardboard tokens. Yeah. yeah so I, I agree. So with he definitely, added replayability. But as far
1: as the core game, I, I, I love them both. They were both great. I mean, it's Libertalia and Libertalia is great and fun. Um, so I can't really say one's better than the other. Um, and again, it's <laughs> for me, I'm sort of, this is probably the only game I own. That's like an old sought after out of print that they had to the reboot or a redesign, you know? So like, I sort of like the nostalgia of holding the original, um, other than that, there's nothing real special between the two,
0: you know? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it's a fun game. I didn't get to play the original when we were up, uh, you know, in our group play at our cabin visit. But uh, I enjoy this version a lot. I like, you know, there's a good amount of um, take that, but not too much that you're not sitting there Wait, playing but it's enough. Solitaire. Yeah, there's enough, yeah, to, enough to get you and there's yeah. enough to get some rivalries going throughout the game. So, I thought it was fun. I like it. I'm glad I picked it up. Um, yeah, and,
1: and as you mentioned, you know, when we introduced this to the group, you know, the bigger group, not not just our play group, but like the, the play group from, you know, the larger uh, collective. Uh, I feel like there was a lot of, what, seven or eight different people that played it for the first time and just was like, oh, let's go again. Let's go. And people loved it. Yep. Um, I think even one of our friends was like trying to find an original, one of the out of the print copies. And m- maybe they did pick it up, but because <laughs> they're like us, you know, as far as the, if you want something, you will have it kind of thing. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a big hit with our group. Um, just to, again, there was enough take that, that you could, you know, drink a beer, bust some
0: stones, laugh, have some fun, you know, and, and just have a good time with it. Yeah. Agreed. And the other game we got to play together, which we have played two times now, and I'm sure there are many more in our future, uh, and we did this admittedly for a little bit of research for this episode too, you've owned yes. Inhotep for a very long time and never played it. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Actually, I think it was a – I, I haven't owned it for a while. It was a new purchase. Oh, okay. Um, When I was going through uh, Phil's catalog, uh, it was one of those that – I've always wanted to pick up and just never pulled the trigger on it for whatever reason, and uh, I I went out of my way to add it this time, and I was just like, I'm going to get this game. Um, So, yeah, so this is a recent purchase, but but yeah, but it's an older game, but but yes, it is a fabulous game.
0: We will talk more about Imhotep in a little while when we go over our top five Phil Walker-Harding games. But before we do that, we are going to chat with Phil. He was gracious enough to grant us some time—about you know a little over a half hour—to talk about games, talk about design, talk about process, a lot of the things we like to ask creators about on this show. So we're going to hop over to that interview now. A big thank you to Phil for joining us, and uh, hope you enjoy this little bit of info on Phil Walker Harding. Thanks for joining us, Phil Walker-Harding. It's great to have you on. Um, this is about, what, six months in the making, I think, when I first reached out to you. And you said, oh, I'm pretty busy. You'll have to be next year. And now I know why. Uh, the joy yeah. games probably <laughs> took up a lot of
2: time. Um, so, Yeah, we would glad. have thought launching a company would be time-consuming, <laughs> but it was so thanks for your patience <laughs> oh yeah well
0: you know i i figured it was kind of under wraps so you couldn't really say much but uh congratulations and and a lot of the titles that are you know out or coming out look really cool so uh we're both excited to get our hands on some of that stuff and, and get it to the table as well and i know my kids enjoy yeah. a lot of your games so they'll they'll be happy too when we pick some of those up so <laughs> oh,
2: thanks that's
0: great um so thanks again for joining us. We have a bunch of questions. We'll go through the typical interview format, and hopefully we don't bore you too much. But uh, I'll kick us off. So you have your name on a lot of projects, a lot of games that are very well known. And there there's some designers that kind of hit that that button in the market in a way where it's either crazy complicated or you know a little bit on the lighter side. You seem to have the skill of mixing things in between to a point where you get some more complicated mechanics in a more simple, fun presentation, and it just is like an absolute home run.
2: How the hell do you keep doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'm glad that's how my game's come across because that's sort of what I'm aiming for, I suppose, is like super accessible games, Um, but that still show people, I guess, yeah, what modern game design is doing and how, you know, there's lots of great decision-making, lots of great mechanisms we might not have had in games when we were kids. Um, and I love finding ways to present that to new gamers or casual gamers. How do I do it? I I don't know. I, I, um, <laughs> I don't know. I think my brain naturally, in a lot of ways, likes to, like, remove um, excess detail in things and keep things simple and straightforward. So... I suppose when it comes to game design, um, that's what I do. Um, Just quite naturally when I'm putting a game together, if there's anything that feels at all um, extraneous to the central kind of experience, I just get rid of it. Um, And I don't know if it's, I mean, it's intentional, but it's also quite a natural thing for me to do. And I think, you know, different game designers' brains take them to different types of games. Um, I've tried to actually design a really complex Euro game and I couldn't really do it. I <laughs> you know, it just didn't work. I couldn't yeah. do it. I kept taking stuff out. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, cause that's, that's the amazing part about,
3: uh, again, there's a, there's a, there's a thread, you know, the, the red thread, uh, again, any game we've played of yours. And there's one word that always comes to mind and it's, they are fun they are extremely fun and whether it's a drafting or a tile or, or any of the mechanics that, you know, you, you do implement, like at the end of the day, you're like, it's like, that was fun. Let's, let's roll that again. Let's go. And if people are watching you, cause I've seen it happen in my own life, like we're playing, you know, I'm teaching a couple people a game and there'll be people that'll walk by or there's other people in the house and they're watching. And then just by watching us play, they're like, Oh, I get that. That makes sense. And then it's like, all right, I'm in. And then we deal them in Mm -hmm. the next, or they they sit down and they're in. Like it's just because it's it's fun and it's that accessibility. Like it's just it blows my mind that you keep doing that. And uh, so thank you, I guess, in general. (laughs) But like, how does that? I mean, (laughs) I I I don't know. Is is there like an editing (laughs) process where people help you get to that fun factor? Like you're so close, and then it's like, oh, not yet, Phil. And then it keeps going, but.
2: Well, it's interesting you say people watching and then um, kind of learning the game just by watching because that's another thing I aim for, which is like not only having a super simple rules teach but also having gameplay that's like um, very easy to pick up by watching. I think if you need to be constantly diving into a rule book or constantly referring to other materials or constantly asking questions just to get up and running, I think sometimes that's a barrier. So uh, certainly I'm looking for games which are intuitive enough in the way that they play that, yeah, you could just kind of almost absorb it, absorb the rules just by by watching. So, yeah, I mean, I think when I started out, I much more needed um, a lot of help from playtesters and other people to kind of, like you say, say, uh, this isn't there yet. Um <laughs> I don't want to do this. What are you making us play this again for? Um, <laughs> but I think over time you start to develop a bit of a sixth sense for, um, like, it's probably rarer that I even get a game to play testing stage that I just know it's like something in me will self-edit before that stage. Um, okay. So, yeah, you slowly develop a sense of of when you've hit on a, on a fun mechanism or a fun, like, play loop. And I think the more you design, the more you get used to just throwing things out that don't do that, you know? Do you Uh, find a lot of, so you have a
0: lot of games that you have designed solo, but there's a a handful of games too that you've worked with other designers on. And how do you find that helps with that process as well?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. All my collaborations have been sort of slightly different processes, I suppose. I think the, the main thing, I get out of collaborating is it feels like you get to the the heart of the the game quicker because there's just two brains trying to get there. Yep. And, yeah, it, obviously you've also got double the playtesting um, <laughs> options because you've got two people with playtesting groups play, uh, testing the game. Um, but it's no guarantee either. Like, you know, you still need to be able to, whether it's one or two or three of you, you need to be able to be honest if especially if something is just not working or clicking, because you know sometimes you you get you have a game that's good that's fine the the feedback's okay and you think well this could this could fly um, and it's just I think about taking those almost games and either you know putting them back on the shelf for a while or doing that extra hard last five percent to, to turn them into really fun games so I think. The longer you design, the more your kind of standards get honed in that area, I would yep. say. Mm. That kind of ties into another question we had, which, you know, how
0: many prototypes do you have on your shelf that you've messed with and just haven't seen the
2: light of day yet? Oh, well, um, I can look over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I right see it. me, I have, so I have a, a shelf down here of, things that have been put on the shelf and it's currently i'd say about 25 okay wow <laughs> um so so there there that's everything from really old things that i aren't re- i'm not ready to just throw in the bin to things which are like you know only 20 percent done and they're sitting yep. there waiting for for more opportunity um yeah it's tough but you never know when one of those ideas will um, you, you may not ever finish that that game specifically, but maybe there's something in that game that becomes a solution to another design problem you're working on. And that that's what I find happens more often than um, a, an old design magically getting finished is more that some element of the old design you can plug in somewhere else. Uh, yeah. that's, that's more what I find happens for me. So that's why I kind of try and keep them around. A while.
3: Now, is that similar to like, for example, like, um, and again, this might not have all worked out, but again, from a from a retail and a and a, a playing perspective, like silver and gold came out before Super Mega Lucky Box, right? But there were there's you can see either there's like depending on when they came out, like one inspired the other, or there was something of one, and then you went another way or added more to it. You know, and then even what, Gingerbread House and and Llama Land, like there's some similarities there. So is is that like somewhat of what you're you're getting at? Yeah,
2: they're they're really good examples actually because um, so Gingerbread House, it's original, the original version of that was I designed it in like 2011 and tried to get it published for years and it didn't go anywhere. But the cool central thing about that game was that was the first game where I figured out this whole idea of when you put down a tile, the icons you cover give you an action, and that game just sat in you know development hell for years and years and years. And then when I designed Baron Park, I was like, how, how can I make it that you get more tiles into your into your um, reserve? And that's when I remembered the gingerbread house mechanism. So I put that into Baron Park, and then a couple of years after that, I figured out how to finish Gingerbread House <laughs> as well. So Gingerbread House came out and then Llama Land was kind of mushing those two together in a way. And similarly with um, Silver and Gold, when I was designing that, I stumbled across this idea of being able to write on the cards. Um, yeah, I just thought, oh, that just made sense for that game. And so I laminated some cards and gave it a go. <clears throat> And I'd always wanted to do a bingo style game and that had always been in the back of my head to do a bingo style game. And, yeah, once I'd done silver and gold, I was like, this is how I would, you know, if I ever do the bingo game, this is how I'd want to do it, writing on cards, crossing off boxes. So, yeah, it's funny how, yeah, um, designs inform one another. So, you never know when a, a, an, a an abandoned thing will be used again. So.
0: So you you use themes that that obviously exist. You know, even on your website, I looked at, I, just for fun. I was like, "There's a PhilWalkerHarding.com," and I went on there and kind of looked at all the projects and stuff. And you kind of cite you know some inspirations from other games. Are there games that that you know you get to the table regularly? We've spoken to a whole bunch of designers so far, and every one of them is like, "Yeah, I don't really get to play games because I'm too busy making them." Uh, <laughs> and so I wonder if you're any different. Are you actually getting to play stuff to help? Keep the creative inspiration coming a little bit, or are you more focused on just design and playtesting?
2: No, no, I definitely do, do still play um, as much as I. Am. It's way less than it used to be, which is just <laughs> a reality of I guess when any in any creative job, you kind of end up not doing it for leisure as much as you, yeah. Wish you could. Yeah. Um, but no, I definitely still play games because I find playing new stuff especially, is a real source of ideas for me.
0: Is there anything recently playing, that's I'll, that's kind of blown you away from an idea standpoint?
2: Uh, let me have a think. Um, nothing. Like, I think what's happening a lot, at least with what I've been playing lately, is just, like, really cool, streamlined, great re-implementations of, of previous ideas. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I've been completely blown away by something that's super original in that sense, but, like, something like, um, what was I thinking of? Something like I just played Planet Unknown, you know, okay. and 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 I'm as over polyomino games as the next person. <laughs> but I was just like, wow, they've just, like, thrown some mechanisms together, really, but it's just satisfying. Like, they've just come up with a really satisfying little game. and. Who doesn't like placing tiles? And every time you place a tile, you move up three different tracks and that gives you three different bonuses. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just a satisfying game. Um, and what was the other one I was thinking of? Um, oh, yeah, like something like um, Seven Wonders Architects, mm-hmm. right? Like nothing groundbreaking or anything, but wow, what a, what a product, you know, and just what a streamlined, compulsive little game you know, um, so I'm really interested that that's kind of a lot of what's happening for, for the games I play anyway at the moment. Um, I've also really been enjoying, um, I don't know if you guys have heard about Postmark Games, this little company that Matt Dunstan has started and they're just doing like print and play roll and writes. So they've oh. had a couple of Kickstarters and you just pay a few bucks and you get a print and play roll and write. And they're I just doing some really, really cool things with just pushing roll and write games like, you know, a little further. So I've been really enjoying them too. Yeah. I've seen a lot more of that lately. Um,
0: the, you look at, it, it's like 36,000% funded and you're like, what in the hell is this? And it's a, yeah. it's a $3 roll and write, but yeah. the print and play spaces is, is since the pandemic, especially has just exploded. Yeah. And a lot of the designs in there are actually really good. I saw one, uh, I'm pretty sure I saw it off like the board game subreddit on Reddit or something. And it was on there. Someone just made one and it was very uh, sort of like, I think, crops and growing themed, like very nature themed, completely hand drawn from scratch. And they were just putting it out there for people to play a couple bucks, like just so much creativity coming out in that area right now. It's really cool to see.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a great little sub genre.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ken, I'm going to let you ask the question that you're dying to ask now. So we have enough time to fit it in.
3: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, (laughs) um, and I actually had another one. So I apologize that will lead into this. So, um, your work with Buffalo games, uh, so that there's two, obviously that just rise to the top and I'm, uh, one is summer camp and the other is the newest one was planted. Um, whatever you guys got going on, it's, it's amazing. So I, I don't know how that all works or, or how that whole process came about, but uh, I have to know, are there more expansions coming for summer, summer camp, <laughs> like, or more, more like activity packs to add into that. The box had the space for it. So if you're allowed to talk about it or if, you know, you're going to burst my bubble, but I got to know.
2: Um, well, so the Buffalo, uh, Collaboration has been really interesting because I didn't I didn't know them really before, but they're a, a big puzzle company in the states. Yeah, like, yep. heaps of puzzles. Yeah, and they wanted to move more seriously into games, so they contacted a few designers, but they contacted me. And their model is quite different from a traditional board game publisher because they sort of you know they have relationships with Target and other stores like that, and you know Target will be in their ear about oh these these themes or ideas are kind of trending at the moment and Buffalo will have their own market research and ideas about what's trending at the moment. And so they come to you and they say, what do you think about doing a game about summer camp? You know, everyone's stuck in lockdown. Wouldn't it be fun to have a game about summer camp (laughs) and maybe it could be a card game, maybe like a deck buildery thing. What do you think? So they sort of approach you with this concept.
0: That's interesting.
2: And then, you know, if it, is exciting. I go, okay, I'll have a crack at that. And what's cool about it is, I mean, I find it helpful because sometimes just having a completely empty page when you're starting a new game is just too much freedom. So sometimes it's nice to be given a bit of a, of a spec. But also it just means that you know they've already kind of carved out the market space for it. Like they know, they feel it can sell. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as long as it's a decent game, they've sort of already kind of mapped out its its like life as a product, which is really interesting. And same with Planted. They like fully came to me and said, House plants.
0: That theme is huge right
2: now. It's trending. We gotta do Yeah. There's so many
0: nature games coming out in the last year.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. Anyway, so but going back to summer camp, so um nothing is planned but we have spoken about it okay and i have <laughs> heaps of ideas for what those other packs would be um but nothing is planned and i think it's mostly because um an expansion is a bit of a slightly more niche product to put into kind of a target yeah kind of space like it you know, it might work, but I don't think it's the obvious next step.
3: Well, if Target um, can put yeah. a whole section of Cards Against Humanity packs, they can put little <laughs> pack packs. Like, I'm sorry. Like, right.
2: Yeah, we should just like, call it. You know, the the orange expansion or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> put it in black box.
3: Because because everyone. Uh, so I. Uh, so again, just a little bit more on summer camp. I apologize, but I know. Uh, so, because everyone we play with. Again, whether it's someone new to deck building or or someone that's built, you know, played deck builders with us before or just deck builders in general, there's one aspect, and I don't know if it was done intentionally because it was more in that deck builder trope of a game, but a way to like thin your deck doesn't exist in summer camp. And there could be a whole like activity that could do the the shedding of card mechanics. <laughs> that and like I don't know, I'm sure you already had it. It Maybe got cut. I apologize. I think you have a
2: a free play tester, Phil. (laughs) It was um, it was actually this this little uh, rule I gave myself when I was designing, which is there will be no trashing. Okay. And the reason is because, like, you know, who doesn't like doing a chapel strategy in Dominion? It's pretty (laughs) fun. But I was just like, I actually think for new players. The ability to thin your deck actually is a really makes the game more complex for a new player without you realizing it because it makes you have to like evaluate not only each individual card in your deck, but the overall size of your deck. So, card like cards in your deck now their value changes based on the size of your deck. Um, and in Dominion, that's like this really cool, thinky aspect of like, well. Uh, You know, a copper in a deck of 50 cards is very different to a copper in a deck of 12 cards. Um, And I just like, I just want to avoid that, you know. And so I put in heaps more cards that are about cycling through your deck, you know. So there's there's more ways than a lot of deck builders to move quickly through your deck, which to me is like the equivalent in a way. Um, But um, I have been, yeah, I have often, I've been thinking if I did do an expansion, that's the obvious place to go. But would I want to stay true to that original idea or is an expansion the perfect place to kind of try new stuff so
0: the first time i played that game i got destroyed because i'm so used to that mechanic being in every deck builder and i realized that you know ken's like you can't do that in this game i'm like (laughs) i just got so you know it's it's in so many of them so yeah Um,
1: but
3: that's what made summer camp stand out to me too right like was again it, it avoided one of the tropes of a deck builder Right, like, and and I think, and it is more
0: accessible as a result. I would agree with 100%. that. Yeah,
3: like, you know, there's there's almost no age issue, right? It's little kids, it's older folks, it's you know, and it, and it's gamers and non gamers. I mean, everyone that I that we play summer camp with just like loves it. I mean, it's just a brilliant game. So, um, yeah. So, all right. That's, so, yeah, really
2: good to hear. I can say to- if we do do an expansion. The theme I've sort of picked is it would be like um, it would be like set at night, so it would be like night games, campfire, (laughs) um, and it would be all around. Yeah, just playing up that aspect of of being out in the outdoors at nighttime. And so, yeah, there's some obvious mechanisms that spring to mind from that but yeah as i said no plans unfortunately at this point
3: all right so i'll have to somehow track down buffalo executives and let them know (laughs) yeah yeah let them know all right target for that matter yeah i mean i'm in Target all the time i just gotta start yelling at people in the aisles like they could do anything right i guess
0: we're not recording any new episodes for a while if you're going to be busy with this endeavor so
2: uh
0: so we've got a little bit of time left and we wanted to give you plenty of chance to talk about joey games um super exciting stuff do you want to just kind of give a high level of how this all started and where you're at with it and kind of what's coming next for Joey games.
2: Sure. Yeah. So, um, during we had a pretty long lockdown here in 2020 and my wife and I, uh, were like, okay, we've got all this spare time. Um, and we've always talked about wanting to do some project together in the board game space. Um, this is the time. We're never going to have a better opportunity to just start something up than now. Yep. Um, So we kind of were thinking it through. And, um, yeah, basically we kind of, um, it just sort of came together that we had this idea for what an Australian kids game publisher could be, and we both were just really excited by it because, yeah, there aren't many, there's a few small publishers here in Australia, but not many. and. We just kind of were captured by, we love Harbour as a company, the German kids game company, and we're just like, wouldn't it be cool if there was sort of a harbour but with Australian themes? And uh, one of the reasons we're really interested in Australian themes is because I think a lot of Australians have a bit of a weird, problematic association with their own culture um, because most of the cultural cliches we have about Australia and being Australian are pretty... You know, just cliches, just silly cliches. Um, And we, you know, have a pretty terrible, horrific relationship with our history with our Indigenous peoples, and I think that's another reason people don't like looking at our culture and our past because of what happened. And we just thought, wouldn't it be cool to try and just healthfully forge some games that are just like, hey, these are unashamedly Australian games that celebrate our peoples, our plants, our animals, um, and just do a little bit of like um, trying to try put something healthy into the culture here. Um, a lot of countries have like their own little folk games that they play that kind of go back generations that everyone passes down, and we don't really have anything like that. So I think our kind of mission was to, to think about ways we could do something just like in that space. And anyway, so we used Lockdown to kind of do all the business startup stuff and get everything running. And um, we ran a Kickstarter earlier this year for our first three games. So we're going to launch with three titles. And we're not going like, to start super huge. We're going to start small and just see how things go and focus on distribution here in Australia first. Uh, I mean, you would be able to get them elsewhere, but we won't kind of do a major retail push internationally yet. And we just want to kind of see how it goes, and and um, see how people respond to the games. And uh, yeah, it's just been an exciting new thing to try. Um, we're also really passionate about running a sustainable business, so um, setting up a company to to kind of be environmentally conscious and ethical takes a lot longer. <laughs> we just yeah. So that's been a lot of our kind of learnings as well. Is just how to how to run a company and and produce board games in a way that doesn't um just completely trash the planet so do
0: you have like um some specific cultural influences that that you've kind of used for some of the games maybe talk a little bit about what you know some of those reflected in the titles look like
2: yeah so to start with we thought like the thing we most wanted to do is just sort of celebrate our plants and animals um that's something everyone can quite easily <laughs> Get behind. Get behind. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, one of our games is called Busy Beaks and it's about Australian bird life because we have all sorts of amazing native birds. Um, and then another one of our games is called Scribbly Gum and it's about Scribbly Gum trees. Love that which, name. <laughs> which have, um, I mean, look, a tree that has scribbles carved into it by baby moths is just asking to be a roll and <laughs> So it's a game that explores, yeah, these, this really cool type of tree we have here. And, yeah, both those games we're giving um, sort of some of the profits to conservation groups in those areas as well. So it's just uh, us dipping our toe in like, hey, there's some cool things about Australia that we can celebrate and enjoy and learn to kind of care for a bit more.
3: So, again, just in, in talking more about, you know, sort of Joy Games, is, is this your whole focus or are you still you know working with other publishers or is it all joey games now moving forward
2: um well it's taking up a lot of my time um but no (laughs) it is not um my whole focus because it has a very specific type of game that we're going to produce so sort of six to eight year olds is our real kind of target audience um and you know certain style of gameplay as well so when I design games that kind of naturally are that, there's probably a good chance I will develop them with Joey in mind. Um, but there's a whole lot of other types of games as well. And um, we're not going to kind of put out too many games through Joey, certainly not, you know, a few a year or anything like that. So, yeah, I'll still be working with other publishers and, um, And particularly when it's a different genre or style of game, I'll certainly be working with other publishers still, but I wouldn't be surprised if my input slows down a little bit, my output, sorry, slows down Mm -hmm. a little bit, just because I'm, you know, trying to run a company (laughs) as well now. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, who'd have thought? (laughs)
2: Is
0: (laughs) is Kickstarter going to be the primary delivery device for for most of those games, or are you guys going to try to go into like a retail space in Australia and maybe, you know, surrounding countries?
2: Yeah. So probably not. So we're definitely um, like doing a Kickstarter first up was a great way to kind of gather support and gauge support as well. Yeah. But um, at this stage, we'd really love to like build retail relationships and, and and go that way for future releases. Um, that's sort of our plan at this point.
0: And I would imagine that's a, that's a tough one with two people. <laughs> is, jo- is Joey going to expand as a company you think? And, and, try to add some more folks as success follows or is the plan to just kind of keep it small for the time being?
2: Um Certainly if, if, it, if it needs um, more people, we'll look into that. Um, but I think it'll, yeah, wait site to, uh, to just grow slowly ish. So it probably won't be something that happens super soon. Okay.
3: So with your, with your, again, obviously you've worked with all the publishers, right? You know, it, it is there um, is is there any relationships like that that can help with the you know the Joey process in that future for you, you know whether it's like a, almost like a, a a partnership or a collaboration right with uh, you know you know Haba and, and Joey or or Robbinsberger and Joey or Buffalo and Joey like do you see that as a, a potential avenue?
2: Uh, possibly, like um, one thing, like we really want to um, stay in control of our brand, and certainly we have a really high priority on uh, people we partner with sort of sharing our values. Um, so we're not kind of just going to just randomly pick the first, you know, publisher in each country who wants to partner because <laughs> we will to take that process slowly and carefully. But, yeah, certainly, like, you're right, I've got some good relationships and some some things may make a lot of sense to partner with but yeah we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes and um we'll see what the response is because you know um because of our themes and the style of games you know certain they just might not resonate in certain places but uh we we don't know yet but i I think your
0: your pedigree as a designer and accessibility history certainly helps uh, with Joey. And I think that the support you got made that a lot easier for a lot of us to just say, yep, we should do this because I have kids, Ken has kids. It makes it pretty easy for us to, to know you and as, as a designer and play your games and be able to – Super Mega Locky Box is a great example of that. Bingo with some extra stuff. That's that's what I described it as, and to hear you say the same thing, I was like, you know what, that I was kind of (laughs) right. Like that, that's a really nice thing to have.
2: Yep, I think that might have actually been what I was telling myself in my head when I was designing it. Bingo with extra stuff.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's great. It's one of those titles that you can pull out, and I'm glad to see that. You know, you're moving. To a younger audience with Joey too, because I think you know your history of having that accessibility makes you a good fit for that type of age range. Because boy, have I played some stuff for kids that is just not for kids. <laughs> like my it daughters be for
3: anybody. Like that's yeah. the bad part. Like.
0: It's crazy what can pass as a kid's game. So it's interesting. Um, So I don't want to keep you too much longer. Uh, Really appreciate your time. Uh, We wish you the best of luck with Joey. And I hope, you know, maybe in six months to a year, we can have you back on and kind of revisit where things are at and help you plug the next thing. And and I do have one last question for you. What were you drinking?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So so I am drinking. I don't know if you have this in America, but do you have Barocca?
0: Ah, it sounds very familiar.
2: So it's like a, it's like a um, multivitamin drink. Okay. And you, like, drop a tablet in water and it goes all fizzy. Interesting. And it's like this pep you up multivitamin hit.
0: It looked like a so, beer to me. And we, yeah. we, no, we it is review off, beer yes. on every episode. And no. I was like, we're going to get Phil to do a beer review if he's having
2: Yeah. I do love I do love a beer. Uh I don't know if I'd drink one on a podcast, but um, <laughs> no, this is just a slightly beer-colored vitamin drink, unfortunately. And the review is it's like every other one that I've had. <laughs> Good to
0: know. I probably should switch to vitamin drinks off the beer, but uh, you know, sometimes they put brewer's yeast in, and I've been told that people take pills of brewer's yeast. So maybe there's something positive happening. I don't know. Probably not. Uh Thanks again, Phil. We really appreciate the time and, and the best of luck with Joey games and all the other projects coming up. If you do happen to, uh, you know, get the summer camp expansion, Ken will be the very first person on your doorstep in Australia yeah. to pick up a play testing copy.
2: But, uh, <laughs> well, if it gets grain lit, I will email you directly.
0: Oh boy. There you go, buddy. You Look at got that. The direct hookup.
2: <laughs> That's that made my 2022 right
3: there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, Phil. Pleasure speaking with you and thanks again for your time and best of luck with everything.
2: Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Really appreciate your time. No, thanks. It was, it was fun to chat. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right. That was Phil Walker Harding. Once again, thanks Phil for joining us. Uh he was great to talk to. I I didn't know <laughs> there were so many things to ask him in that interview that oh. I I had like we had our question list that we kind of came up with ahead of time, but like I had like 30 questions I could have asked about all kinds of yeah, I j- things.
1: As he kept talking, I just kept adding more notes here and I was like, ah, I don't <laughs> want to put them on the spot. You know, like I just like um, you know, and and honestly, I could have talked about, there was so many interesting things that like I just could have picked out more. Um, but I knew, we, you know, we had oh, yes. only had a set amount of time, but, uh, but but again, thank you, Phil, very much And and obviously you're going to hear how how much we love your games in a little bit. Um, but again, we really appreciate your time and I'm super excited to get the Joey games Kickstarter and, uh, and share those with, with my, my children and
0: family. So super pumped. So, yeah. Thank you. We're looking forward to some other upcoming projects. And we both had my shelfie on our, our list from Gen Con. So mm-hmm. that's a Phil, Phil collaboration game. Uh, looking forward to that one too. There, there's, Many more. Yeah, to that come. was our only. Joey Games is is just the uh, just the tip of the iceberg for them too. I think.
1: Yeah, that was the only. Um, was that the only crossover? Was it my shelfie? I think from our general yeah, list. Yeah, that was the only one
0: we had as a crossover, which yeah. tells you something because yeah. there were a lot of games yeah. and no others were crossovers. And then um,
1: his other newest one is Museum Suspects, which I yes. did show that to the wife, and we might be getting that and adding that to the collection too because it's sort of got that clue-ish type of vibe that uh, that my wife really enjoys.
0: So that might might be cool. Uh,
1: may or may not be in a cart that hasn't been purchased
0: yet. <laughs> <laughs> Along with all of Cat's promo cards and who knows what else. Oh, you're something else, man! All right, we came up with a list of our top five Phil Walker Harding games. We'll start with honorable mentions. Uh we'll go from 5 to 1, sound good? With 1 being our our yeah. top pick and uh how about you kick us off with honorable mention?
1: So my uh, and again I
0: <laughs> I
1: had I had to reorder my list because of us playing Emotep. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so Emotep was going to be my honorable mention, so I had to make a switch. Um so my honorable mention it's is – just too good for me personally is uh, super mega lucky box. Uh, I know we touched on it and we talked about it. I don't own super mega lucky box. That's part of your portion of Phil's collection <laughs> that we collectively own. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I love the game. I think it's fun. Uh, you know, it's good for different, uh, age groups, different, um, you know, d- different, uh, types of gamers. And, and I think as you heard, you know, we just, it's just fun. It, it's simple. It's fun, you know, and and again, if you see people playing it, you can just stand there and be like, oh, I get that. That makes sense, which I think we'll talk about here shortly. So what's your honorable mention, Ryan?
0: Uh, My honorable mention is probably your number one. That's Summer Camp. Um, I like the game as a deck builder. I admittedly, and I even brought this up when we talked to Phil, like that game just doesn't equate or compute for me. Because you can't remove cards from your deck, and I've never played deck builders where you can't do that. Uh, but it's an awesome entry level deck builder game. Uh, the theming is very friendly for a family style game. There's a lot of variety included in the box, and you know it's something that just has a ton of replayability mixed with all that other stuff. So you know it's like twenty bucks at Target now, right? It's something ridiculous. Uh, you get a yeah, lot of game and- for your for your dollar there. So that's that was my honorable mention. Yeah, and actually Target lost
1: the exclusive rights, so now you can find it in both Target and Walmart summer camp.
0: Ah, and eventually the expansion that he hinted at, that he's going to send only to you because it'll never reach shelves.
3: (laughs) If I got a
1: personal summer camp expansion from Phil Walker-Harding, that just, uh, I don't know, that would be up there with the birth of children and marriage
0: Yeah, okay. we'll I have to knock the uh, family photo off the mantle and just place that gingerly <laughs> there. Glass I just have to
3: Photoshop here. myself, like arm around Phil <laughs> on the mantle. Yes. <laughs> let's, just, let's just keep making this more awkward. All right, number <laughs> five. It. What do you have?
1: So my number five is Immatap. Um, it it we like I said we we got two plays of it. It is and we did um a two player version. And then we brought in someone else to try it with us. It uh, is, just, again, it's very simple to pick up. Easy, easy mechanics. But the strategy and choices is what makes this just so, so amazing. Because no matter what you, you, you have options. You have three or four actions you can do and they're all good and they all are important. And you have to do the right ones at the right time to do the right things to, you know, to plan ahead so that you're scoring the most points based on what you're trying to accomplish. And um, because everyone can do the same stuff, you never know when someone's going to sort of do something that might not be what you think they're going to do. So you're you're sort of gambling in a lot of ways. Uh, and also, too, we had someone else watch, and they picked it up really quickly, and they're ready to go. So we're about to do our another playthrough with four players here shortly. So um,
0: that's Mimotep
3: any comments yeah. any
1: or we to wait till it or was your
0: number five it's not my number five i'll talk about it when i get okay. my number <laughs> but yes I okay. have plenty to say uh five for me was nice. gizmos uh i got to play this with you for the first time and i played it one other time after that i can't remember where and uh in terms of like sort of entry level it's a little bit above entry level but it's kind of like a i don't want to say low end because that doesn't do it justice it's a I'll go with more entry level esque uh, engine builder, where you know you're you're drafting these tiles to try to make your engine better. You're collecting more resources. Uh, it's just very elegantly designed. This was a Simon project that uh, I believe he did with. Did he do it with Eric Lang? I'm not sure. He I, can't, might have. I can't remember. Um, but
1: um, I thought it was. It might have been pre, because I know Gizmos was one of those. It didn't, it wasn't a Kickstarter; it just went right to retail.
0: Retail, okay. Um, yeah, it's but, it's just a very enjoyable engine builder. It's pretty easy to get people into. The rule set's not terribly hard. The iconography is very clear. The components are awesome. Uh, it's just one of those games that you can sit down and play just about any time and not really have too many objections as long as people you're playing with do enjoy engine builders. That's probably the only caveat. But yeah, that's uh, that's my number five. Gizmo is a very, very good well, game.
1: And and that's a whole line of questions we didn't even get to, right? Like Phil Walker Harding has a CMON game that doesn't have minis. Right. Yeah. Like So, how was that process? Like, did go down in history did, is the what, only Simon game with marbles in it. <laughs> like, what did he? What did he give them for them to like Simon the it up? You know, like, ah, oh, just we just missed yeah, the, missed the boat on those questions. But
0: I think that might have been um. before they discovered that FOMO was a way to make money. <laughs> right. Like, or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they hadn't well, unlocked I the mean, true evil yet. Again,
1: Gizmos was probably also one of the only retail games that, like, they put like stuff behind, right? Like, you, yeah. you know, I've seen, I've, I've seen, you know, campaigns around it. I've seen it featured, um, but you know, you don't see much about Foodies or, or the Godfather. You know, Foodies bombed. I but remember they have, that game. But they have other retail games that are just just as, you know, good. But Gizmos just um, was something special. But again, I think yep. that's the Phil Walker-Harding
0: piece of it. His magic sauce that is in all the games he makes. I don't know what he does or how he does it. Yeah. I'm not sure he completely knows all the time. But <laughs> damn, he's good at it. He's good at it. All right, what do you got for four? Number four
1: is the uh, newest game that I have from Phil Walker-Harding, and that is Planted. Planted. Uh, we talked about that a little bit um on, on the interview as you heard but and i think we've talked about it several times throughout our catalog here on the podcast this is one of the most beautifully produced games i own uh, i mean every component was cared about every aspect was cared about and, and again i thought it was interesting you know hearing that after playing it you know for so long and then hearing how that process was with working with buffalo on that uh, you know, and the marketing that goes into that. I mean, planted is just a – and then, and then it, it's so much fun. It, it's simple mechanically, easy to get into. Um, you know, yes, yeah, some of the choices may not be, you know, the Sophie's choice, but it's still fun. Uh, and that's Planted, my number
0: four. Guess what? Me too. Planted is number four. Yay. Uh I thought it Cross was over. hilarious. <laughs> and kind of, kind of strange, but also hilarious that Target came to Buffalo. Is that what he said? I forget. But basically, like, so, yeah. they came to Phil with the idea, and Phil's like, Oh, well, let me whip up a game for you. And it's as good as it is. Uh, I think that's a testament to his skill as a designer. Um, and you know, that theme is popular right now for whatever reason. House plants are a big deal in board gaming. I, for a while it was cats. Now we're at the house plants. Like I'm, people <laughs> were just stuck inside too long. I think don't, don't forget sorry, zombies.
1: Sorry. Zombies was a thing, yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: but it's, it's a, like you said, it's just a very fun game. It's, there's nothing about it that. You know, is like best in class uh, in strategy or presentation or whatever. But like everything about it is really good, and it's not something that you know I would ever say no to playing. I think that also speaks to the design. Like sometimes those games get a little stale, a little boring because there's just not a ton of variety in the play styles. Or but as long as you're playing with a group, that game is just plain old fun. It's just a solid design, and yeah, I think I agree with you. For the price and it being sort of a mainstream big box store uh, game yeah, Target, it's such high quality. Like the components are so nice. The card stock, everything about it is super, super nice. For the what you pay, you really like get a great game with high quality.
1: 75% of the game shouldn't be on the same shelf as Planet. That's how good <laughs> is. You know what yeah, I mean? Like we we like,
0: joked about Cards Against Humanity and, and that's you know, yeah. literally five feet away and this is, uh, this is a top tier game. Nothing against cards against humanity, yeah. but uh no. this is on a different level, so that's my number four, and uh, we match planted
1: yay
0: all right, what's your number three the my number three was your honorable mention that's super mega lucky box uh I like rolling and rights um but they can tend to be a little let's say difficult for people to get into. I have a couple like long shot which has some rules overhead and um. There's some others. Super Mega Lucky Box is so easy to get into and so much fun. I have family that – I don't know. There's a lot of people that do this, but we buy ourselves – we buy scratch-off lottery tickets for everybody for Christmas, and this game just reminds me of sitting down and scratching off those tickets. Or you know, you heard Phil describe in the interview as kind of bingo-ish. It's got that going for it too. It's just really, really simple, really fun, flipping right with – Cool comboing. You still have a little bit of decision-making as to where to put things. You have some decision-making as to which cards you draft. So there's still some player agency there in the gameplay. But the gameplay itself is so simplistic and so fun, and it just flows so well that I I love that game. Um, I've played it with people who are – Hardcore gamers like our group. I played it with people who have barely played board games and everybody I know enjoys playing it. There's no groups that haven't. So it's kind of up there with cockroach poker for me. I'd bring that along no matter where I go and know that the audience is probably going to enjoy it. So that's my number three super mega lucky box, which is a fantastic name with great art. It looks like a schoolhouse rock style art on the box. Just really cool. Yeah. And again, you,
1: <sighs> his games are also relatively um, inexpensive games. What is this? 15 bucks, maybe 20 bucks. Tops? I think it was 20. Yeah. I think it was 20. And the amount of packs. game you're going to get for $20. Like, and you know, what's run? Funny? Don't I
0: it. I got it. Cause it was a game, right. Game. And generally my kids will play game, right. Games. And I didn't realize till I got home that it was, or maybe we, maybe I realized that when we were at, Packs that it was a Phil Walker Harding game. I was like, oh shit, I, st- I really lucked out. And you couldn't get it for a little while, so it was even better. But yeah, great game.
1: Alright, so my number three is, I believe, what maybe good or bad is what I believe Phil Walker Harding is most known for, and that is Sushi Go slash Sushi Go Party. Uh, when we bought this game, and this goes back—I don't know, maybe—I don't even know if it's I, been a while. I don't even know if I, my son was born. <laughs> so eight years, maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's an old game, and we we played the again. We didn't have the party version, but we had uh, just just base sushi go, and we had so much fun. And we re- we we must have played i don't know maybe 6 7 times in a row i mean almost this the sun was coming up we were playing that long and just enjoying it and there was just three of us doing it um and and we were it just it got out of hand and then uh when and again i think party was already out but i immediately went out and got the party version just to get more into that game and and we've added every promo that that has come out that i'm aware of uh into that uh that menu tin uh and, and this is another one we and I think I mentioned it a little bit on um uh, you know during the, the interview my father-in-law was watching us play and was just like oh i know how to play i'm in on the next one and we just dealt him in and you know he he just dove right in and, and understood the game he had a couple of questions about scoring but like for the most part he knew how to play the game and i i i think that's what's brilliant about uh, Phil's design style and as you you know he mentioned it's you know sort of intentional in a way uh but that's my number three sushi go party
0: yep that's a game that uh it doesn't get old you can play it with just about any group uh similar to a lot of the other ones we've talked about so I can see why that's higher up on your list um number two we're on number two already this is going fast my number yeah. two is imhotep uh, I was blown Ooh. away by that game, and <laughs> nice. I think part of the reason I love it so much is that it has an element of meanness to it, which I don't know what that says <laughs> about me. it established in this podcast that yes. I'm, a, I'm a dickhead. Uh, but Imhotep has Here. excellent decision-making points. Uh, there's a lot of that in the game kind of – Points where you're agonizing whether or not you should sail a boat to a destination to get the benefit or to screw an opponent. There's all kinds of that happening. Um I think that's what I love about it is that you can basically decide to sail a ship and call somebody's bluff. And maybe that's what they want you to do and yeah. you don't really know until you see it. Um, <laughs> or, it's not overly complicated. Or they ax- so it's- yes. <laughs>
1: The the angst when there's one – when there's a cube open, there's an opening for one of your cubes, but you only have one cube left, and you're like, "Ah, if I don't place it, I'm not going to get a chance, or maybe I will. And then you you choose to get three more cubes just to be safe, and then the boat goes, and you're like, bah, I should have put it on there. I love it.
0: And and like I hate ending around with no cubes on my palette, so it's like sometimes I just (laughs) won't place the last one. Like – and then, of course, if you're the last person to sail a boat, the person you know you're not going first the next round, which could be pretty important for placement. There's just so much going on. In this si- very simple game; it's very simple on on the surface. Yeah. And like you mentioned, you know, Phil has a, a talent at making very accessible games. We had, uh, you know, you brought this up. We had one guy that joined us that played for the first time and got it within five minutes. We had another one watching that picked it up while watching us play and is ready to play. So. For a game that's full of the level of decisions and sort of um, take that in this game, to be able to pull that off with such accessible gameplay is truly a talent, and it's fantastic. So Imhotep is my number two. So my number two, I believe, was your number
1: five. Was it Gizmos was number five Yep, for you? Gizmos was five. So uh, Gizmos for me um, was an instant buy. Uh, as soon as I saw his name was attached, it was a CMON product. This was during my addicted to CMON days where they could do no <laughs> wrong in my eyes. And I purchased anything sight unseen. Now the fact that this had Phil's name attached to it, you know, again, I just went so hard and in the sushi go party world this was like i think this was my next game from him in, in in my collection was gizmos and then i was like i gotta seek out more so gizmos also was one that my son started playing with me i think he was six And he would say, dad, let's play gizmos. You know, he would add an extra syllable. (laughs) Um, and, and I, and and he got it. He grasped the concepts at six. Now, again, he's not big picture thinking about, you know, the third tier and, and, and the big scores, but, but he understood the concepts of I play, I, I can buy this guy or this, this gizmo with a black cue or a black marble and a red marble or, or, or three black marbles. And then every time I do, I build a black, gizmo I can get to pick from the front or I get to pick from the back or I get to trigger this I get to, and, and and watching a little sick-year-old's mind just jump from track to track and have him pick a marble and then do this and then do that he loved it and, and anyone we've played it with for years uh, just you don't leave gizm gizmos unhappy it is a, a beautifully done uh and i think we've mentioned it several times we love engine building engine building uh is something that that I, I, when i hear those two words i i'm immediately i want to look at that game i'm going to take a deeper dive uh-huh. and Same and, here. and this and this one i think does engine building maybe some of the best engine building because of the you know, the turns where you can just go off and do this and do that and then this and then this and then that. Trigger, 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 trigger. It's just it, – it's so much fun. And I, I love big turns like that. And you just feel so like, oh, I waited all game to do that, <laughs> right? Like just that one yep. card came up that set the dominoes in motion and you, you just – You just went off and it's awesome. And then you got three other people at the table like – can we play? And they're like, no, I'm still doing it. And you're picking and <laughs> moving and, you know, you're filing cards and then, you know, storing this. I just – I love it. hear the applause Get, you in know. your personal psyche <laughs> that no one else
3: is clapping.
2: <laughs> yes. That's
3: pretty much what's Yeah, happening. I'm hearing like the Star Spangled Banner
2: like going off,
1: you know.
3: <laughs> Hulk Hogan's tearing his shirt off and pointing at you. Yes. Exactly. There's
1: eagles soaring over my head, you <laughs> know. <laughs>
0: uh, I could see why that's uh, – that's number two for you. It is good. It's a great game yeah. builder. So,
1: yeah. uh, and it's got that little bit of family nostalgia, but but it doesn't make it any less of a game, in my opinion. I think it would be too, regardless if my son played it or not, but that does add a little
0: bit to it, you know, that little yeah, that's personal fair. touch. So my number one has the same personal touch. This game is solely responsible for getting my daughter, I believe, into the kawaii aesthetic, which is like cute little food things with uh, you know hmm. eyes and a mouth. Uh, Sushi Go Party has been played so much in this house by my daughter exclusively, I think, that the cards are now completely worn down. Like, there's literal like, <laughs> surface damage where it's just white underneath. Um, like the have got Udo deck of cards from back in the day. Yeah. Like, she has <laughs> destroyed these cards, but not out of misuse, out of just constant play. We've played hundreds of games of Sushi Go Party. We, she even made up her own version called Sushi Go matching where we, you know, shuffle the whole deck together and we randomly flip cards. And if you match one on your pile, you just place it and the other player has to go. But if you match one of theirs, you got to keep playing cards and the player with the most, uh, unique cards wins. Um, we have gotten so much out of that game, both, you know, the base game and Sushi Go party over the years that there's no Phil Walker Harding game that comes to mind more when I hear his name as a designer than that. Um, he brought a lot of joy to my, my family with that game and we still play it to this day. In fact, this past weekend I took my daughter to, uh, like this cafe place where they have like Boba tea and stuff. And she got, you know, a drink and I got a drink and we sat down at a table and we brought go nuts for donuts and sushi go party. And we played both of those games (laughs) and we played sushi go twice. Um, it's still something she loves. It's still something I love. My wife will play it. So that game will live on forever. I unfortunately will probably have to get a new copy at some point in time because <laughs> the one we have is getting so much uh, wear and tear on it that it's starting to go. But um, it's by far and away the number one Phil Walker Harding game for me just because of the amount it's been played and, and the quality of the game itself. It's. The, at the end of the day, it's card drafting, which I always enjoy, and it's just a very, very fun and simple game to play. And um, maybe not the most complex strategically, but, uh, you know, if you're sitting down for a fun time yeah, but, and a quick game at, like, the bar or for family or whatever, it's a solid pick. So, yeah, number one, Sushi yeah, Go but, Party. But the beauty
1: of that game is you could get a just ginormous score one playthrough, and the next you're like, am I even playing yeah. Like, it's so, like, the luck of the it's draw, so, man. so, like, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And then it's, like, you just have to try to gauge what everyone else is doing, and you're sort of counting cards, but
0: people but, start to figure uh, stuff out with around you, you and yeah. Yeah, it all depends who you're sitting yeah. next to, how the cards get shuffled. It's yeah. it's just an excellent drafting yeah. game. You know,
1: and then when the mocky Roll game kicks in, like, and then you're trying to one-up everybody, like, just for those, what?
0: six points or 12 points or whatever it is. It's like, yep. stay out of my Maki roll. <laughs> you don't want any of this. And I do own every promo except for pickled ginger, I think. That's the only oh, one we don't have. Okay. I'll have to find that. Run, run Or if you're looking run, for a Christmas walk. gift for my daughter this year, there you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Santa has it noted.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. All right. What do you got um, one? Well, you, you is. know, my number one. You yeah. called it. You <laughs> called it earlier. Um, it is summer camp. Uh, you heard me talk about it with him, you know, and, and again, we joked about getting my own, you know, getting it, you know, Phil going out of his way to let me know when there's an expansion that's coming out. <laughs> I, I know we laughed about that a little bit. I mean, but if any of that is true, this is going to be amazing because I, I love, love, Love summer camp. Uh, I hadn't, I, I must have played a dozen mm-hmm. times and never came close to winning that game. And I still wanted to keep playing. I still want to figure it out. I still want to keep playing. Cause again, I think much like you, Ryan, like the deck building, it, it, it's more a race than the deck building, but, but yet you have to do the deck building to accomplish to the, the race. race. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so it's a good balance. It, that pendulum is amazing in that game. And I don't know if there's any other game that that pendulum is just so real. Um, now obviously there's, there's balance things in other games, but this is just like, and there is a, there's a probably a, um, a correct choice on your turn based on what you're holding versus where you're at versus what's in the market, right? For summer camp. And I'm sure there's something deeper there, but if you get too hung up in one thing or or you get distracted with something or something seems better than it is and it's not working out for you, you got to switch and you got to switch fast or you are going to be left in the dust with this, with this, uh, with the race aspect of this game. Um, and, and, and again, I've seen several strategies sort of work, but not work again, depending on your opponents. And, and I love the, the, the mixing of these, these, these two, uh, you know, the race mechanic with a, with a deck builder. Um, I I would say what deck builders probably, and, and sort of a, maybe a close second of, of types of games that I really, really love. Um, you know, right, you know, right behind engine building, (laughs) right. (laughs) So it's like, um, and, and this one again, just with the, with the Phil Walker pedigree, it, uh, it, it was too good and, and I love it. Um, so that's summer camp. And if you don't, yeah, I figured,
0: it, you know, I figured that to, would be, you have one. to own it. Yeah. It's Phil is an awesome designer, uh, just the, all the games we mentioned, yeah. every single one of them is one that you can sit down and, and cozy up to within 15 minutes. Um, and some of them are more in-depth strategically and some aren't. And that is a hard thing to do sometimes on a consistent basis as a designer. And I think uh, you know both you and I can appreciate that with the amount of games that we play and go through and experience. To find someone that's got that talent to be able to churn out games of this quality and the level of engagement and accessibility that they have is is just truly something special so big uh thank you to phil and and you know not enough good things to say about him as a person he was a pleasure to speak with and certainly his games speak for themselves if you haven't uh, you know had time to mess around with any of his stuff, please check it out we didn 't even mention stuff like silver and gold and and cacao and there 's plenty of others that he 's designed yeah, I mean, that we haven 't even gotten to spend time with, so we'll be doing that for sure
1: yeah definitely i'm going this this just again, these are just
0: out of the catalog
1: we have played these are just the, the ones that we will see constant constant play you know these are these are uncullable. In a board game collection, yeah. in my opinion. I would agree you know? with that. And if someone 100%. even, even if someone is trying to sell one of these, question that you, that, that they even know <laughs> about board games. Cause these are not resellable games. These are permanent staples in collections.
0: Especially, I would say too, especially if you, if you have kids that you want to get into gaming, um, Phil's got a lot of stuff that he's worked on or designed that is just so great for a young gamer to get into. And Joey Games, which we got to talk about a little bit with Phil is going to be more of the same. So if you're interested in a younger audience and getting them into gaming, um, you know, the stuff up that's upcoming from Joey Games looks fantastic for that, that approach and definitely check out their Kickstarters and hopefully we'll see retail.
1: Yeah, follow him on Instagram, uh, both at his own personal and the Joey Games. Uh, he has his own website. Was it philwalkerharding.com? Joey Games has a website. Yep. Um, you, you check it out on Kickstarter. You might be able to get a late pledge. They are um, sort of more family-weight style games, and and, they're all, and there's three, and they're all different. So one might be more in your wheelhouse. Um, but if you're – again, you have a young – a young gamer that you're trying to, you know, sort of get into this hobby or, or this space. Or, or you even have sort of some, some older folks, um, where they need a, a simpler game to get, sink their teeth into. Um, I think these also apply that way as well. Um, yep. I think, so thanks yeah, again. So one is a, yeah. So one is a Go set ahead. collection. One is, one is a, 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 a co-op. And then one is a – I think it's a, like a flip and or a roll right, which is the one with those, uh, those caterpillar moths in the tree. Um, but the set collection one is based on Australian uh, birds. Sort of – not quite wingspan, but, you know, uh, they're all birds around uh, – that are found in Australia. Uh, and then the co-op is based on, I guess, the cultural foods uh, of the Australian people. Um, which is a co-op. So you're playing against and I think it's a dog who's uh, stealing the treats off the table. So you're trying to match your treats and, and fill each other's boards up. Um, while, but while there's a dog, I think trying to snatch stuff off the table. Um, so get simple,
0: cute concepts, but, um, again, the full footwalker harding, so they're going to be fun. Yep. So thank you again to Phil for joining us. Really appreciate the time. And, uh, Hopefully we'll be able to have him back on, you know, next year or in the future when he's got some more projects to talk about. And we'll give him a chance to, to plug some of those and see how things are going. All right. Uh, brings us to backed and bought. I don't have anything because I'm behaving, but I did get uh, <laughs> pledge managers for my last two of the year. Knock on wood. If I have willpower, uh, dead reckoning and dark tower. So I, or, sorry, dark tower expansion, return to dark tower expansion so i took care of those and i do have a couple that are shipping soon so i'm hoping to have some updates on back stuff actually arriving for the first time in my life uh but other than that i do not have much else so how about you buddy i know you're gonna have to carry this segment of the show for the remainder of 2022. how does that feel (laughs) well i mean somebody has to do it and uh you know, get doing the Lord's work, it.
1: going. <laughs> no, I, this is a definitely a smaller list uh, than normal. I have unbacked more projects since we last recorded. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting very, very. Um, You're curating specific your on what I'm. Spending. Yes, I, I, I'm what I'm adding to my collection. Yes, and and it has to. There's got to be something, something special, something different, something unique, and it's not just window dressing. It's not just uh, artisanal components, right? I unbacked foundations of Rome, you know, you know. So right now, I'm only backing one game, and you know, let's hope it stays. But um, it is a deck building. I, I I guess it has a little bit of element of engine building, but it's deck building done in secret. Uh, so then also has a little bit of a sort of a, a race mechanic in a way, or more of a worker placement style to it. And it is a game called USC reach. And this one just seems unique enough, special enough. Uh, and and the price point is not too crazy. I don't know of another deck builder. Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, that um, is done in secret, where like you take your turn in, in in the shadows, and then you flip your screen down, and then you see who who does what. Almost a sort of like a, like a programming type thing, you know. Which maybe that's when the chaos ensues. But
0: yeah, I don't know of um, any. Like I'm looking that forward that to I it. Can think of it's like plus I movement, think but deck each. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I think also everyone's board is unique. Everyone's like faction has uniqueness on their board. So like you might be stronger in like the yellow sort of category where I might have more in blue. Um, yeah. you know, where someone else could so there there's asymmetry ishness, if that's a word. <laughs> um it is But now. this is um <laughs> nice. So this is the second game. From uh, Arvis Games called USC Reach. It is a uh, – and their first game was called Board Royale, which was uh, such a hit with, with our larger group because it plays a lot of players. It's sort of a – it's very take that, last man standing. You know, you get a little bit political. You try to wheel and deal. And it's almost a, a last person on the island wins style. So, you know, uh, Hunger Games meets um, sort of survivor. And you're trying to – and your cards are your life total. But yet your cards are also the currency in the game. So, you're using – you're spending your cards, which is you losing life to get other cards that you – maybe give you more survivability uh, on this island. Um And if you didn't form a, a good faction or you're about to be turned on. Um So, I, I like their first game. So, that's also what's kind of got me excited about this one. Not only the mechanics of it and the uniqueness of it, but then I like their first game. So, what is that? Sophomore year, right? Is that second? The 10th grade, right? Freshman, yep. sophomore. So, it looks like they're sophomore uh, projects. That's USC Reach. Um, cool. and I, like I said, I've backed, I've backed, I've unbacked more than, than I'm backing. So, um, and then from a purchase standpoint, uh, I got a new game as a gift, uh, which is, uh, and I, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times. I don't have a lot of co-ops. Um, and this was a co-op game called Apollo, which is a game from Buffalo inspired by the NASA moon missions. Uh, it was in a, sort of a, a consignment sh- sale sort of thing. And it was brand new, still in shrink. Uh, so my wife picked it up for me. Um So I'm looking forward to maybe trying to get that to the table.
2: And what then the last thing co-ops. I bought.
1: I'm trying, I'm trying. We'll see. I mean, I still have oh, a good ones out there. Hasn't been played. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm, I don't know. I have to find the co-op I know, that you- I like.
0: You feel I the need to win. That's not a dungeon crawler, right? Like That's the know. problem. There's so many co ops that are dungeon crawlers. or aren't a crap load of games that are not, but uh it's it's changing, yeah. I think.
1: Which which is ex- that's what has me excited too about the the one from from Phil and, and Joey Games, that co op family game. You know, I don't yeah. have a lot of co ops. Um and then the last thing I purchased was and I think I mentioned it to you, um, the Dice Tower 2021 Kickstarter promos finally hit the Board Game Geek store. And this was a campaign that I think I just backed to get the one King of Tokyo promo. Um, But because I just, I don't know, there was something about spending, and it's not a knock against the Dice Tower, but it's like, if I'm going to spend $60 for 12 promos, that doesn't feel... I don't know, there's, there's more, you get a lot, right? But I don't have a lot of those games and we're about to talk about it in a few, a future episode, uh, a lot of games that I really don't like because, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of promos for those games that I would never purchase. And there's, um but I did pick up 12 promos uh ranging from various different games. So there was a um, a promo for Adventure Tactics, which was a new camp, you know, a little side quest or a little campaign. And again, Adventure Tactics was something that my wife and my son and I started. Um, so I want to get that back to the table. Uh, I got uh, a promo for Almanac. I don't know if I talked about Almanac on the last episode, but Almanac is a Scott Alm's game, and this one has. You know, Tom Vassell on one of the quest cards. So it's kind of cool. Uh, I talked about Chiseled, which is a deck construction, not deck building game. And there's a critic promo that I picked up. Creature Comforts is a beautiful game from uh, Kids Table Board. Kids Table Board game, something like that. Um, and their second games coming out. So this was a, a cool promo that wasn't in the, in the, in their Kickstarter. Imperial Settlers, the Empires in the North was one that my wife and I love. That game, so this had has some new uh, sort of common areas where if you don't like what's out there, you can go here for a resource. So again, just mixes up a little bit. There was a new character for Furnace, so I snagged that, <laughs> uh, assuming that Furnace is going to get played in December. So I'm 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 preparing. There was uh, two Living Shadow uh, Living Forest, sorry, Living Forest characters that oh, just nice. get thrown in. There was an artifact for Lars Rhodes of Arnak. There was uh I think Tom Vassal as part of the near and far universe. So there's like a little little character of Tom Vassel that you can recruit for your team. There was a new monster for Now or Never, uh for Ryan Lockett's game. Uh Star Realms. I picked up the uh Merc Captain Garcia. Again, Zio Garcia, part of the Dice Tower. I thought it was kind of cool to have him as part of Star Realms. And then <laughs> I got an Isle of Cats promo, which was so. <laughs> one. What are they called? Is it Ashoka? Ashoka Cats? Something, however that. you pronounce it. One. Of, so you get a special one of those, which is a different shape. And then, um, a different, uh, super treasure or rare treasure, I guess it's called in the game. Um,
0: that's unique. So. Those are my my promos. Well, we will be getting a play of that in next week, so that's uh, that's going to be talked <laughs> about again. Isle of Cats, and as well as uh, I still want to have a conversation about Hansa Teutonica with you at some point. So I hope yeah. maybe, well, th- maybe that, next that might episode. be a whole episode. Yeah, maybe the episode after yeah. that because I uh, um, have another special guest next episode. We'll see. All right. Yeah, well, that's a good list.
1: Yeah, you got plenty of stuff. And did I? Uh, I know I talked about going to purchase, but did, uh, did I actually pull the trigger on the calyx last time we recorded?
0: You, you got the first one, but you have since expanded.
1: Yes. I have, uh, purchased two four by fours. I believe I mentioned that I did the dimensions, uh, and I could fit the, the, you know, four by four. So I have the, so I bought two of those and then I bought an additional two by two, which would go next to the two by four, uh, shelf. Uh, that, that makes up the, the sort of the left side coming up the steps to the, uh, to the game attic. So, uh, the two by two is together. The two four by fours have not, I just have not had a chance to sit down and get her done, so to speak. Um, but soon, cause I need to reorganize that
0: attic. Uh, I'm looking forward it's, it's, to pictures. It's giving me anxiety that it's all disarrayed. <laughs> I'm looking forward to pictures to seeing the finished product. It should be
1: nice.
3: <laughs>
0: You will have a good setup in there. Yeah, that's why I asked you about, like, the games
1: that you put forward, just making, like, <laughs> to make sure there's games behind it. Because I'm like,
0: I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> so, I don't know if I like it. I'm just playing like, with it for now. It's just a, yeah, all the one game have on have the shelf, amazing artwork. And to have it sit unenjoyed yeah. is a crime against humanity. So, looking at the little, you know, weasel on the front of Meadow or... You know the purple crystal and dice forge, or the cheese with lederhosen and cubitos. It's just, uh, it's nice to look at them sometimes. So, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I will see if it stays, but yeah. All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode. So I just want to say thank you to yeah. everybody who's listening. You could reach us on the interwebs at playgameslosefriends.com dot com. You can hit us up on Instagram at playgameslosefriends. You can check us out on Twitter at pglf show. You can email us with questions, comments about the show, anything you'd like us to talk about or you just want to you know, have some therapy with two board game nerds. Play games, (laughs) lose friends at gmail.com. Thanks for everybody that participated in the reincarnated contest and congrats to our winner. We will be in touch. And uh, if you can, leave a review for us on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If you leave a good review, it helps get the show out to more people. So please... Like and subscribe. Can any final words? Rate, review,
1: subscribe
0: before we head out for um, the night.
1: The last thing, the last thing uh, I, I, I'll leave you with is: do yourself a favor. You just heard Ryan and I talking about beautiful cover arts for uh, for board games. Uh, the Dice Tower just did a top 10 or the worst board game covers in the history of board games. <laughs> and there are some amazing covers. I was shooting Ryan some screenshots from the television. It was that amazing. I couldn't stop. I got about halfway through it. Um, but just the half I got through, I was just like, oh my god, this is amazing. So, do yourself a favor. If you want a good laugh at board games and board game covers, uh, check them out on YouTube. The um, Again, it's the worst uh, board game covers of all time or something like that so uh and then and then do a live um sort of scoring and polling and it and it sort of is it like a tournament bracket almost like a sweet 16 so it's pretty amazing on <laughs> <laughs> some of these awful awful amazing amazing covers so
0: yeah do yourself a favor you won't regret it and my part that's all place. i got right uh go pick up some Phil Walker Harding games you can't go wrong we gave you some tonight there's many more check his collection out and one more big thank you to Phil for joining us for this episode alright that's gonna do it thanks everybody for joining us we'll be back again in a couple weeks in the meantime play some games and uh, don't lose your friends have fun everybody later